supporters of Worcester Raiders and Worcester City Football Club will be eagerly awaiting next season's fixture lists after it was confirmed that both will play in the Hellenic League Premier next season. It is the first time that the two Worcester sides are in the same league due to City being moved across from the Midland Football League and into the Hellenic League by the FA. It means there will be two league derbies in the 23-24 campaign and that is something that both should be relishing. But those who wear blue and white will most likely be wondering how it has come to this. Raiders were a Sunday league side when Worcester City dropped down from the Conference North and now the pair will be playing against each other in competitive fixtures for the very first time. Playing in the same league as Raiders, how the mighty have fallen, some in red and black might say but City have to embrace it. They are where they are, but a move to the Hellenic League is a positive one for the club. The division is a much easier one to get out of compared to the MFL, which is notoriously tough. With the addition of playoffs again and potentially some much-needed investment, City should be really be targeting at least a top-five place. But with Malvern Town and Cribs now promoted, Chris Corns will be aiming for the title. City have been a sleeping giant for too long and last season's near relegation will have been a wake-up call for all involved, but the FA's decision to move the club over to the Hellenic should be just the boost they need to climb out of step five. As for Raiders, if you had said six or seven years ago that Raiders would be in the same league as City, many would have asked you what planet you were on. But their rise through the levels has been swift and now, alongside City's inability to escape Step 5, they are level with their rivals and now have the chance to topple them. Raiders know this league and, for large parts of the 22-23 campaign, looked like they could finish in the top two and gain promotion, but they faded away in the end to finish fourth. But that was their first year at the level and now focus will be to go one better this coming season and gain promotion, if not compete the title itself. They will relish the games with City. The chance for them to topple their big brothers will be one that players, supporters and coaching staff will be licking their lips over. There are storylines everywhere you look. Chris Corns versus Raiders, Corns versus Gormley, they are just two of the tasty narratives that swirl around this fixture. Corns was dismissed as co-manager two seasons ago and he will be eager to go and do the double over the side now managed by his former, par former partner, Carl Gormley. Whilst they are good friends, beating each other will give both immense amounts of satisfaction. Then you can add the prospect of a Worcester derby at six ways. Maybe thousands in attendance for that. How supporters of both sides will enjoy that one. It is great for football in this city to have both in the same league playing against each other. It should bring out the best in both. But which one will claim the kings of the of the kings? Which ones will claim the kings of the city crown? And uh, finally, the cricket reaction wanted. Worcestershire will be hoping to move on quickly from last week's drubbing at Glamorgan when they welcome Leicestershire to New Road in the county championship this week. The pairs suffered a 10-wicket defeat at the Sophia Gardens inside just over two days of play. This week will be the final game of this block of red ball matches before the Vitality Blast arrives for the first time this season.
Head coach Richardson admitted the experience in Cardiff last week was a tough couple of days, but was not about to get too carried away with the result. Looking for a reaction to Cardiff? It is always an interesting question, but you always want a positive performance turning into a result, he said. You just want to try and put in as good a performance as you can. Losing at Cardiff was a tough couple of days and the boys have had a bit of a time to gather their thoughts. They've trained hard for a couple of days now and we always have to look forward to the next game. Included in the squad is Jack Brooks, who has been signed on a short-term loan from Somerset. Richardson added, We are down to four seamers and it gives us an opportunity with the balance to see where we want to go. We will see what the wicket is like, but it has been reasonably seam-friendly here at the start of the season. Jack has lots of experience, over 500 first-class wickets, and has won a couple of county championships. He's a senior seamer who has been there and done it, a really good character, someone who is positive in how he looks at the world. It'd be really good to have him around. It is for this last game in this block of championship fixtures, and then we will see where we stand from there. Jack Libby, back. Josh Tong, side strain. Dylan Pennington, hamstring. Pat Brown, groin. And Kashif Ali, thumb, are all currently sidelined with injury and won't be available this week. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you very much for listening. The obituaries will follow after the music. So it just remains for us all to say, keep safe and until next time... Goodbye. Goodbye. And now we conclude with this week's obituaries. Susan Margaret Townsend, in brackets kite, passed away expectedly on the 31st of March 2023. Funeral service to take place at St John's Church, Bromyard Road, Worcester, followed by burial at St John's Cemetery, McIntyre Road, Worcester, on Friday the 19th of May at 12.15pm. Family flowers only. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for the air ambulance. Patrick Ken Kenneth Patrick passed away peacefully on Sunday the 9th of April in his 101st year. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 22nd of May at 11.30am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Michael William Allsop of Morven passed away on the 10th of April 2023. Funeral service at St George's Catholic Church on Friday the 19th of May at 12.30pm, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for the Knights of St Columba may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Marion Pingree passed away peacefully on the 12th of April 2023. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 23rd of May at 1pm. 
Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for guide dogs or the Stroke Association may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Grenville Wood passed away peacefully on the 13th of April. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, 22nd of May, 3.15. Anthony Stiles passed away on April the 19th. Funeral service to be held at Worcester Crematorium, 19th of May 2023 at 1pm, followed by refreshments at Worcester Bowling Club. Fellow bowlers are invited to wear club colours, stroke greys, as formal desire, attire if desired. Flowers welcome or donations if desired for the British Lung Foundation or Leukaemia UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Worcester. Bruce Arthur Sharwood, known as Bruce, Epson upon seven, passed away surrounded by family on April the 23rd, 2023. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Thursday the 25th of May at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will be greatly, re gratefully received for Cancer Research UK and RAF Benevolent Fund. All inquiries, care of co-op funeral care. Philip Box. Philip suddenly passed away on the 28th of April, aged 93 years old. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 13th of June at 11.30am. Family flowers only please, but donations, if desired, to the Maternity Bereavement Suite. Cheques payable to Worcestershire Acute Hospital Charity with Maternity Bereavement Suite on the back and posted to Charity Office Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Donations can also be left in the collection box on the day of the service. Marion Jane Thornton. Jane Shepherd, 1962 to 2023, passed from this life on the 30th of April after a short illness. Memorial service at Worcester Baptist Church, Sansom Walk, Tuesday the 30th of May at 11am. Donations to Cancer Research or World Horse Welfare. Joyce Dorothy Jean Underwood, passed away peacefully on the 30th of April 2023. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Friday the 2nd of June 2023 at 10am. Following the funeral service, a burial will take place in Astrid Cemetery, Worcester. Flowers are welcomed or donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for St Richard's Hospice. A collection will be available at the end of the service. All inquiries to Cooperative Funeral Care, Worcester. John Frederick Harrison died on May the 6th, aged 90. Funeral at St Martin's, London Road, 1pm, Wednesday the 24th of May. All welcome, family flowers only, any donations in lieu of flowers to British Heart Foundation. We send our best wishes and prayers to the family and friends recently bereaved at this difficult time.
by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us at Colin Chance House. There isn't always someone here, but if you leave a message, someone will get back to you as soon as they can. We're making this recording on May the 18th. I am Sally, and Hannah and Ian will be reading with me and Nigel is our and Rianne sorry Rianne I forgot Rianne um, and Nigel is our sound engineer we'll be featuring the news from Friday May the 12th until Thursday May the 18th the obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them and we will include what's on in the local area followed by headline stories and general articles of interest ending with a few sporting items and this week the sun well today the sun rose at 5 10 a.m. and sets at 9 p.m. so the days are getting very nice and long and our thought for this week is sorry. <laughs> our thought for this week is from 1 Corinthians Verse 27, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And now I'll pass you over to Ian for some special information. Thank you. Yes, I have a notice about friends and family cited guide training. Guide Dogs offers free training for anyone who wants to feel confident when guiding a friend or family member aged 18 and over with a vision impairment. The training will enable participants to help their friend or family member get out and about and do the things they enjoy, from garden centres to gigs. This is a virtual group session where participants will learn or refresh the skills to guide safely with expert support from our staff and participants can meet people in a similar situation for mutual support. In this two-hour session, friends and family of those with sight loss will learn how to help your friend or family member get around the obstacles they come across every day so that they can get out and about with confidence. Get top tips for practical guiding, such as the correct grip to use, walking through narrow spaces, and how to detect changes on the ground and at head level. Discuss some of the emotional consequences of sight loss, Get an introduction to issues around access rights for those with sight loss. This training is specifically tailored to the support networks of an adult with a vision impairment and participants can attend either by themselves or with a group of friends and family. The person with sight loss is welcome to attend but does not have to. The sessions are delivered virtually but face-to-face -face sessions can be arranged if required. 
<coughs> Excuse me. The training is suitable for adults and children aged 12 years and over where the child is accompanied by an adult. To register interest for an upcoming session, visit www.guidedogs.org.uk forward slash sighted guiding. Additionally, Guide Dogs offers an introduction to sighted guide training, a shorter one-hour session open to anyone aged 18 and over. If you know anyone who would like to learn the basics of guiding an adult with sight loss, this session is ideal for those working in volunteering with or with the public. Information via the same link. You can also contact Guide Dogs on 0800 781 And now for the useful telephone numbers. Worcester Talking News is 01905 767766. And the police non-emergency number is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out of hours medical assistance between 6pm and 8pm is 0300 123 3211. Crime Stoppers is 0800-555-111. Community Risk Team for Fire Safety is 0800 032 The Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800 980 Worcestershire County Council Here to Help is 01905 Seven six eight zero five three. The Worcester Hub is zero one nine zero five seven six five seven six five. Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired. Telephone D Jones on zero one six eight four eight nine one two nine seven. The Samaritans is a free phone number on double one six one two three Worcester Theatre Box Office O one nine oh five six double one four two seven Malvern Theatre Box Office O one six eight four eight nine double two double seven Norbury Theatre Droitwich Box Office O one nine oh five double seven 0154 Number 8 Theatre in Pershaw The box office is on 01386 The National Grid formerly Western Power is a 24-hour service on 0800 Use this in, in the event of a power cut. And there is a priority service registered free on 0800 032 8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille, large print or alternative languages. 
That brings us to the birthday list. There are two for the next week. On the 22nd of May, Gillian Mann, and on the 26th of May, Pat Young. A very happy birthday and many happy returns. And now for a bit of information about what's on locally. A spring tradition, which marks the anniversary of the restoration of the monarchy, is due to take place this coming bank holiday. Oak Apple Day is due to take place at the Commandery in Sidbury in Worcester on Bank Holiday Monday, May the 29th, between 10am and 5pm. This spring tradition marks the anniversary of the restoration of the monarchy in 1660, following the English Civil War, and has a special connection to the city of Worcester, the scene of the deciding battle of the Civil War in 1651. The Grade 1-listed commandery, the Royalist headquarters during the Battle of Worcester, will be alive with reenactors, military demonstrations, history talks and more. Visitors can watch musket firing taking place in the picturesque walled gardens and children can take part in cannon and pike drills throughout the day too. Fascinating talks from the Battle of Worcester Society and Worcester reenactors will transport visitors back to the time of the Civil War, say organisers. Visitors are also invited to take a tour up to Fort Royal Hill where fighting took place during the final battle in 1651. The Commandery is one of the only places in the UK to still celebrate the spring tradition of Oak Apple Day, also known as Restoration Day. Nine years after Charles II hid from parliamentarian troops in an oak tree following the loss of his royalist cause at the Battle of Worcester, he returned to the throne on his 30th birthday, May 29, 1660, which became the annual celebration of Oak Apple Day. Helen Manning, Events and Activities Coordinator at the Commandery, said, Oak Apple Day is a fun spring celebration for all the family to enjoy and it brings to life some of the amazing stories from the Commandery's history. There's no booking required for Oak Apple Day at the Commandery and usual entry admission applies. There is free admission to those with a season or Worcester residence pass to the Commandery. Oak Apple Day is followed by more living history. Children can follow in the footsteps of real Civil War soldiers over the May half-term holiday. They can take part in a cannon drill and learn to wield a pike in the gardens. Join soldier school sessions from 10.30am to 11.30am and 1.30 to 2.30pm on Tuesday, May the 30th to Friday, June the 2nd. A Worcester school is set to host a car boot sale. Cherry Orchard Primary School Association will host a car boot on its school grounds in Timberdine Close. The event will take place on June the 10th between 10am and 12pm and is free to attend. Pitches are available to purchase for £8. Email kosor5 at gmail.com to book a pitch. The team at a care home are focusing on dementia training to mark Alzheimer's Society Dementia Action Week in the UK. Latimer Court in Worcester is marking Dementia Action Week this week. Each year, Alzheimer's Society works with individuals and organisations across the UK to encourage people to act on dementia. This year's theme is Dementia Diagnosis. Donna Tustin, General Manager at Latimer Court, said, We also run a Dementia Café monthly. It is hosted on the first Tuesday of every month, starting at 10am until 12pm. Everyone is welcome. 
Um, the Bradbury Centre, Two Sansom Walk, Worcester, um, will be welcoming Faith Renger, who's a trustee for Malvern Museum, on the 26th of June. She will be bringing a range of tactile artefacts from the 19th century and sharing a bit about their history. Um, the phone number is 01905 723 245 and the email is info at siteconcern.co.uk. And lastly, at the Swan Theatre, there's uh, in Worcester, the Simon and Garfunkel story is on, on Sunday, the 28th of May at 7.30pm. This is direct from a week-long run in London's West End, a sold-out worldwide tour and standing ovations at every performance. The Simon and Garfunkel story continues to stun audiences across the globe. Using huge projection photos, original film footage and a full live band performing all the hits including Mrs Robinson, Cecilia, Homeward Bound and many more. And that's on Sunday the 28th of May, 7.30 at Worcester Swan Theatre. Thank you, Rianne. And now we move to the headline news. Starting on Friday the 12th of May, youngsters are risking their lives. Daredevil youngsters are risking their lives jumping over a wide gap between rooftops, says a worried mum. Sarah Milam, who lives in the flats in Cranham Drive, Warnden, is concerned one of the young people will misjudge the distance and fall into the concrete slabs below, suffering serious or even fatal injury. The 41-year-old mum of Matthew 7 and Sophie 4 says one of the group crawls through the gap in a metal entrance gate at ground level to gain access to the flats above the shops. From there, they activate the door release and let the others in. She has also seen young people on the roof of Oasis Academy. Mrs Milam has also pointed out criminal damage inside the stairwell, including a note to a notice board which has scorch marks on it. Mrs Milam says West Mercia Police are aware of the situation and things have improved since their intervention. The matter has also been reported to Platform Housing, which manages the flats. However, she remains concerned with the warmer summer months and longer days ahead that things will get worse again. They run along the flat roofs of the shops and jump the gap. When we see anyone up here, we tell them off because it's private property. If you fall from there and smash your head and break several bones, you could die from it. Police are trying to deter the youths and in the last couple of weeks it has been quieter because of the work of the police. They are trying to do their best. Councillor Jill Desiree, the Warnden City Council, also visited the site and expressed concern about the potential for tragedy among young people and the need for better facilities for them on the estate. Councillor Desiree, who visited the flats on Tuesday, said that the gang were taking astonishing risks. Jumping a seven-foot gap over a concrete drop is horrendous. I dread to think of the life-changing injuries or worse that would result. Making the necessary security improvements to this area should be a top priority. Inspector Tanya Beckett of West Mercia Police said they're aware and are working closely with platform housing. Meanwhile, every incident is responded to and dealt with robustly until the relevant security can be improved and permanently prevent this activity occurring. Marion Duffy, Chief Operations Officer at Platform Housing Group, said Platform is currently looking for a long-term security solution for the gate at Cranham Drive and is working in partnership with local police to try and 
resolve the ASB issues being experienced. The headline story for Saturday and Sunday, May 13th and 14th. Gridlocked. Perfect storm hits the roads. Drivers faced a day of delays as roadworks and heavy traffic from the Morven Springs show created gridlock on Worcester's roads. A lane closure on the A4440 Southern Link Road, Crookbarrow Way, heading towards the Whittington Roundabout and Junction 7 of the M5, caused tailbacks going back to the St Peter's Roundabout. Meanwhile, traffic in the other direction, towards the Ketch Roundabout, was yesterday morning backed up as far as the Broom Hallway footbridge as thousands attend the RHS Morven Spring Festival. Live traffic reports showed traffic was very slow on the A449 Malvern Road at Bastonford and near the Three Counties showground, especially the junction of Hanley Road, B4209, and the B4208 Blackmore Park Road. Slow traffic was also being reported on the B4424 Upton Road towards Keller End, and on Bellevue Terrace and Church Street in Malvern. A driver said, The left lane is coned off as you head towards the Whittington Roundabout on the Link Road, and despite warning signs, drivers were leaving it late to get into the right-hand lane, and some motorists were reluctant to let them in. I saw an Audi and a few mini-drivers cutting in very late. There are also cones all the way along Whittington Road to the Oak Apple roundabout and the lane closure is causing some delays. It looked like a workman was repainting some white markings on the road. The lane closure is for carriageway reconstruction and repair for carriageway improvement scheme works according to the live roadworks map. But we have asked for further clarification about the nature of the roadworks from Worcestershire County Council Highways. Yesterday was the launch of the RHS show season across the UK with the much-anticipated start of the RHS Malvern Spring Festival at the Three Counties Showground in Malvern, which runs until Sunday. In total, 100,000 people are expected to attend the RHS Malvern Spring Festival over the four days. This year's show has five newly created show gardens alongside three feature gardens, This year's festival has a theme of gardening for everyone and offers something for the emerging green fingers right through to plant aficionados. Top of the award-winning designers for 2023 is Jamie Langlands from Oxford Garden Company who has scooped not only a gold award, a best construction and the top accolade of best show garden for the Wildlife Trust's Wilder Species. And on Monday, May the 15th, the headline was, What a Stink! And uh, this refers to Cranham Drive, which we've just heard about where the youngsters jump the gap between buildings. So it doesn't seem a very happy place. Fly-infested stinking bins. Stinking and overflowing bins surrounded by swarms of flies have left one family holding their noses in disgust as they blame fly-tippers for the mess. The communal bins in Cranham Drive in Warnden, Worcester, are supposed to be locked behind a gate 
for residents only to use, but the keypad is missing, which means anyone can get in, leaving residents concerned about fly tipping. All the bins were full and overflowing at the flats, which overlooked the shops with broken mirror glass, toys and other rubbish strewn across the ground. Mum of two, Sarah Milam, 41, who has lived in the flats for the last five years, said the access keypad had been gone for ages and should only be accessed by residents with a key fob. The full-time mum and carer who homeschools her children, Matthew 7 and Sophie 4, who were both left holding their nose and picking their way gingerly through the piles of rubbish on the ground. Now, with the entire keypad missing, the gate can be opened by anyone. Meanwhile, the gate is on an alleyway used as a cut-through to the shops on Cranham Drive. Mrs Milam said, Look at all the flies. The bins have been bad for months, so I try not to come this way. This gate should be locked. Instead, it's free for anyone to use as a dump. When she empties her bins once a fortnight, she finds they are often full and does not believe all the rubbish is from residents of the flats. She has even found mattresses. It's a health and safety risk for my children and all the children up here. There are a few families living here with three plus children. It's disgusting and it's getting worse. Other people are using the bins who shouldn't be. All this rubbish has not come from the number of people living here. All the broken glass gets trodden into our houses. She has reported it to Platform Housing, which manages the flats. Warnden councillor Jill Desiree said, These shared domestic rubbish bins are overflowing on a regular basis. This is at least partly because they are accessible to anyone since they are no longer secured behind private property gating. I know that Platform Housing is aware of the missing gate lock to this block and I hope it will be fixed soon. There is also evidence of fly tipping of bulky items in this area. No matter where these items originated, the tipping could perhaps be avoided by having warned and added to the cycle of regular mobile tips. A, sports per a spokesperson for Worcester City Council said the waste and recycling bins are emptied frequently as part of the regular collection schedule on alternative weeks. Platform housing has been approached for comment. Tuesday, May the 16th, the headline alarmingly read, Keep back or I will stab you. A moped rider wearing a Halloween clown mask threatened to stab an off-duty paramedic who challenged the pair for riding on a footpath. The victim, who did not wish to be identified, said the incident happened on a footpath near Trotsill Lane West in Warnden Villages, Worcester, not far from the main Tesco store. He had been walking his dog when he saw the two people, whom he believes were youths, approaching him on a moped. The victim filmed the incident, which took place at 5.34pm on Sunday, May the 7th. During the incident, the man says, What are you doing, lads? The response from the youth on the back of the bike, who appears to be wearing a Halloween mask, is a swear word, and he also says, Keep your distance or I will stab you. The man then replies, 
Don't ride around here. Don't be riding around on that, mate. The man says he was concerned his dog would be run over as he darted in and out of the hedges. The incident has been reported to West Mercia Police and shared on the Wardendon Village's community group. The rider had his face covered except for his eyes and the youth on the back had what the man described as a Halloween mask or a clown mask. I feel they were under 18 as the one who spoke voice had not broken. I was a bit surprised at the threat being made as I was reasonable with them. It was an unpleasant experience. I felt the need to get it off my chest, which is why I shared the video on the Warnden Villages group. I don't believe they would have had the guts to come back and tackle me, he said. He described the bike as having no number plate and being crash damaged. I'm quite confident, but that could have intimidated some youngsters. He could have intimidated some older folks too. I wasn't going to be nasty to them, just tell them, don't ride around here, lads. There's a field down the bottom by the allotments. As a paramedic, I was concerned about anyone getting injured on the path, including the riders who did not have helmets on. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, we received a report via email this morning, Monday the 15th of May, of mopeds being ridden on a footpath on Trotsill Lane West on Sunday, May the 7th. When challenged, the riders of the mopeds were verbally abusive and threatening to a member of the public. As this has only been reported today, we will need time to review footage of the incident and decide on the appropriate action. And Wednesday the 17th of May, taking control. Police take back home. Police and a housing association took back control of a Worcester property by force after reports of antisocial behaviour. Police went to a home in Dent Close near Wilds Lane to enable platform housing to take charge of the property. Once the home was secured by police, the locks on the property were changed. Neighbours saw the operation being carried out but said they were not aware of what was happening. One neighbour said, I do see police further down this road but it is never something which has affected me. I do not know what happened earlier. Officers were also searching for knives in hotspot areas based on intelligence. A tweet from Worcester Cops said, Join us for a day of action with officers from our safe neighbourhood teams. Following briefing, we have started with assisting platform housing in taking control of a property on Dent Close following reports of antisocial behaviour in one of its properties. Sergeant Wayne Hurley said at the scene, This is part of our Operation Scepter Week of Action. We will also be carrying out high-vis patrols in the area, providing reassurance and looking for any individuals that may possess offensive weapons. We will also be doing some knife crime sweeps this week to try and remove offensive weapons from the streets. It all went off today without a hitch. It was an intelligence-led activity. Some of the subjects that we have seen today, we do have intelligence that they may well carry knives. We have engaged with them and will continue to do so in hotspot areas to protect people from harm. According to Crime Stoppers, antisocial behaviour is a range of behaviours that can cause a nuisance and annoyance or harm and distress to a person. Operation Scepter consists of a range of proactive policing and public engagement work focusing on educating people, especially young people, about the consequence of, of knife carrying. Elsewhere in the city, police also visited Heenan Court as part of the National Day of Action in Sansom Place, but no knives were found. 
Shap Drive Community Centre was also visited by police, as well as around Sainsbury's Blackpool following drug-related activity and anti-social moped riding. Police also responded to reports of two suspicious women who were suspected of removing security tags on clothes and threatening staff with screwdrivers. The women were going to be interviewed by police in relation to the offences and the relevant items were seized by the police. Platform housing was unavailable for comment. And the last uh, headline story is from today, Thursday, May the 18th. Murder attempt at supermarket. Police arrested a man on suspicion of attempted murder after one man was threatened with a blade and another man hurt in linked incidents. Police said a customer at the Blackpole Inn in Blackpole Road was threatened with a blade before shortly afterwards a security guard at Sainsbury's garage nearby was hurt. The guard was taken to hospital. The pub customer was not injured. West Mercia Police said an arrest has been made in the Blackpool area of Worcester this afternoon following calls to police at 3pm. Specialist police assets responded to the Blackpool Inn in Blackpool Road where a customer had been threatened with a bladed weapon but not injured. Further calls were received from the nearby Sainsbury's garage reporting a security guard had suffered an injury. Officers responded swiftly and detained a male nearby on suspicion of attempted murder. The injured man was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Inquiries are continuing and the public can expect to see an increase in police presence as we conduct our investigation, but we can confirm that there is no ongoing risk to the public. The Sainsbury's at Blackpool was shut unexpectedly yesterday with staff that arrived for work being turned away. Customers using the alleyways that connect to the store's car park walked up to the door and had to turn back. Staff members who arrived for work were not able to enter the empty store. One staff member said, I've just turned up for my shift and I have no idea what is going on. Staff from Sainsbury's petrol station said they had been asked to put out cones to fence off the entrance to the store. The petrol and the pub remained open. A staff member at nearby Texaco garage next to the pub said, We saw the police earlier. They called in just to ask if we'd seen anything suspicious, but we hadn't. A manager at the nearby McDonald's store said we were called about a serious incident earlier from someone just letting us at the store know what had happened in the area. Crowds tuck in at food festival is our next story. Foodies were treated to tasty treats as an alfresco festival of flavour returned to Worcester. Worcester Dining Club, a spin-off of the popular Digbeth Dining Club, took place in Cathedral Square on Friday. Traders including Disco Fries, Cleopatra's Kitchen, What the Chuck, the Durf Urban Cheesecake and Fat Snags serving up snacks in the city centre. The first Worcester Dining Club was held last month and attracted big crowds and the event seems to have taken off with the square busy again today. 
Richard Newman of gourmet hot dog sellers Fat Snags, said he loved coming to Worcester. I've come from near Bromsgrove, so not too far, he said. I used to come here with Grub Club three or four years ago, and I love it here. He said there was a real vibe and in the square, and after a steady start, it expected to get busier as the evening went on. The team at De Boeuf, which serves a variety of loaded fries with steak strips, were also enjoying the atmosphere at their first event in the city. Johnny Redding and Ellie Wright were among the visitors, eager to get their hands on some of the gourmet foods on offer. We thought it'd be nice to come down and try some different foods, said Johnny. Ellie added, friends of ours came to the last one and said it was really good, so we were giving it a go. Reassurance has been given after wording issues on the email sent out by Worcester Balloon Festival's ticket provider. Organisers of Worcester Balloon Festival decided to postpone the event, which was supposed to take place on Friday and Saturday because of waterlogged fields. Those who had purchased tickets have had them automatically transferred to the festival's new dates. However, there has been confusion as the email sent by ticket provider Skiddle only states this is for Friday tickets. Worcester Balloon Festival has reassured visitors that this is simply a wording issue and they have raised it with Skiddle. In a statement, the festival said, We appreciate the support from the community and hope they will still be able to join us in June. As organisers, this is never an easy decision, but one that is necessary given the forecast. Skiddle has automatically transferred all tickets to the new dates. However, on the email it only states Friday. This is simply a wording issue that we have raised. We would like to assure everyone that the ticket is valid for the day that you have booked it. Therefore, if you have booked on the Saturday, your ticket will be valid for the Saturday. For anyone unable to attend, the refund option is now available on Skiddle and can be accessed through the booking system. There is a time frame on being able to request refunds. The festival will now take place on June the 23rd and 24th. Everyone has also been urged to be patient while the festival deals with large volumes of messages. After a ground assessment today, Tuesday, festival organisers postponed the event. A spokesperson for the event added, We are an inclusive event and understand the impact that this might have on some of our attendees with mobility issues. As well as this, we want to provide the very best experience for everyone in Worcester and therefore have made the difficult decision to postpone until the 23rd and 24th of June to give the ground time to dry out. Tickets for the new dates in June will be available soon. And now an announcement from Chiltern Railways, Cross Country, Great Western Railway and Network Rail saying thank you for your patience regarding repairs to Newnham Viaduct in Oxfordshire. We know how important the railway is to the communities we serve, so we'd like to reassure you we're doing everything we can to keep our customers moving while the railway line is closed. The repairs required to rebuild the 19th century viaduct are complex, but our teams of specialist engineers continue to work day and night to restore the viaduct to its former glory and reinstate the rail links we know many of you rely on. Network Rail is aiming to complete this work by June the 10th. 
We know that the trains that are running have been significantly busier than normal, so until the line between Oxford and Didcot reopens, we've been working together to run trains with more carriages on the routes that remain open and regular buses where we can't. We've also arranged for local bus companies to accept rail tickets on key routes for affected customers. We will continue to work together as an industry to explore further measures that will help everyone get to where they need to go. We're doing everything we can to make sure we can keep you moving, but if you need any more information about our services or you just want a refund on your journey, visit nationalrail.co.uk slash Oxford hyphen update. The City Council has appointed joint leaders following a crunch vote. Labour leader Lynn Denham and Green Party leader Marjorie Bissett take up the joint roles on Worcester City Council after a change in the balance of the council following May the 4th's local elections. Councillor Denham had earlier proposed changing the constitution to hand the leadership of the City Council back to the biggest political party, but the move was rejected when it came to a vote. Labour became the biggest party on the council earlier this month and went into Tuesday evening's annual council meeting in the Guildhall with 12 councillors. The Greens, fresh from four big wins, moved to become the council's second biggest party with 10 councillors, and the Conservatives lost seven seats and dropped into third. The Lib Dems doubled their tally to four on the night. It looked to be running smoothly for Labour on Tuesday, with group leader Lynn Denham appearing to believe that her proposed changes to the Constitution and the Council's leadership would get the support it needed, based on talks held between the political leaders ahead of the meeting. However, the move hit a huge snag when the Greens proposed keeping joint leaders. Councillor Denham said she was very disappointed and very surprised by the term. The city's Greens had moved to create joint leaders last year to reflect 2022's tightly balanced election result, with the council falling back into no overall majority and called for the system to stay in place. Labour and the Lib Dems had supported the City Council leader becoming, coming from the biggest political party, but the Conservatives and Greens were not enthusiastic and voted against it. When it was all put to the vote, Labour, the Greens and Lib Dems supported Councillor Denham's appointment, with the Conservatives abstaining. Councillor Bissett's appointment was only supported by her Green colleagues, with Labour, Lib Dem and Tories all abstaining. Three members of University of Worcester's staff were recognised with special honours by the High Sheriff of Worcestershire. During his time in the role, Andrew Manning Cox presented Residential Experience Manager Judith Bick with a High Sheriff's Award in recognition of great and valuable services to the community. Miss Bick has done many years of volunteering to help the homeless in Birmingham. She has volunteered at Birmingham Christmas Shelter, which provides food, shelter and various services for homeless people over the festive period. Every Christmas for the last seven years and in the lead-up, she raises donations of clothing and money. 
Meanwhile, Jane Shaw, operations manager in the communications and external affairs team, received the High Sheriff's Award for Outstanding Service to the community of Worcestershire, marking her exceptional contribution towards event fundraising for the university's charity of the year. Mr Manning Cox, who has now come to the end of his year in the role, also presented the University of Worcester's Vice-Chancellor and Chief Executive Professor David Green, CBEDL, with the High Sheriff of Worcestershire's Extra Mile Award lapel pin. This award recognises those who have made particular contributions to the life of the county and helped the High Sheriff during his tenure. Professor Green said, I'm very honoured to have received this award and also welcome Andrew's recognition of the work, often unsung, that my colleagues do to help people in the region through either volunteering or fundraising. As a university, we are always keen to work with those figures in the community that strive to make a difference, and Andrew has certainly demonstrated that commitment during his time in post. I'm delighted that the university has been able to help him in, in his endeavours. The High Sheriff visited the university for a tour of its facilities early in his role when he praised its vision and contribution to the city and Worcestershire. The university went on to host the inaugural High Sheriff's Lecture at its city campus in October last year. The talk, which was given by Sir Andrew McFarlane, is planned to be a new annual lecture series sponsored by the High Sheriff of Worcestershire. Mr Manning Cox said, I have very much enjoyed working with David in the year of my shrivelty. The uh, university has been a great help to me in my role, promoting the reputation and life of his great uh, county of ours. A highlight would be the High Sheriff's Lecture I organised that was sponsored by the university. I brought together, it brought together a happy combination of my support as High Sheriff for the judiciary and legal system in the county and beyond and of course for our university. David has gone the extra mile in supporting me. We have worked hand in hand to do what we have achieved. It was also very glad, I was also very glad to recognise during my tenure two exceptional members of staff who have gone above and beyond to help their community. Mr Manning Cox concluded his duties at the end of March, relinquishing the role of High Sheriff of Worcestershire to Louise Hewitt, the founder and former director of Hewitt Recruitment, who retired in 2021 after more than 40 years in business. She was present to witness Professor Green receive his award and is a fellow of the university. Dog owners in Worcestershire are being warned to remain vigilant as more than 100 cases of a fatal pet disease have been recorded in the county. Lungworm cases are on the rise and have been coming to light nationwide. There have been 159 lungworm cases reported in a 50 mile radius, according to My Pet and I. 
Lungworm is a parasite that can be spread in the environment in several ways. For example, infected dogs and foxes can spread the disease, with lungworm larvae being present in their faeces. Other animals can ingest this, or it can be eaten by slugs and snails, which if eaten by dogs can further spread the disease. And the disease could be fatal to dogs if left untreated. However, Steve O'Dell, owner and senior vet at MacArthur, Barstow and Gibbs in Worcester, said, It is a potentially fatal disease, but dog owners don't need to be terrified. You just need to be aware of how to prevent it. It is an emerging disease. 20 years ago, it was barely mentioned. There are hot spots in the country. Worcester is a medium to lukewarm hotspot. There are symptoms you should look out for, including coughing, struggling to breathe, weakness and breathing problems. Other symptoms also include changes in breathing, going off food, upset stomach with vomiting and or diarrhoea, weight loss, tiredness and unexplained or excessive bruising. Mr O'Dell, who has been a vet for 27 years, said prevention is the best solution for lungworms. He said, there should be an emphasis on prevention. If you look back 10 to 15 years, there was very little that could be done to prevent. He has outlined some of the things you can do to prevent your dog from being seriously harmed by a lungworm infection in the following ways. The first tip is to pick up your dog's faeces quickly. Also, removing toys and bowls from the garden overnight so they are not exposed to slugs and snails. He said the best people to get advice from would be your veterinary practice. Another good prevention technique is to make sure you're regularly flea and worming your dog. There are preventative products out there and they are effective. You should be able to get peace of mind if you follow these steps. The city's first Green Mayor has been appointed. The city will have its first Green Mayor following a vote by councillors. Councillor Louis Stephen has made the set the step up to the ceremonial position and becomes the first Green Member of Worcester City Council to be appointed to the prestigious role. Lib Dem Councillor Mel Alcott will serve as Deputy Mayor for the next 12 months following a vote at the City Council's annual meeting in the Guildhall on May the 17th. Councillor Stephen, who takes over from long-standing Labour Councillor Adrian Gregson, who served what turned out to be a historic 12 months for the country, said it was fantastic that the appointment of the first Green Mayor showed the City Council could work together when it needed to. It is a great honour to be elected Mayor of Worcester, he said at the meeting. It is a position that dates back not decades but centuries. Thank you to everyone who has supported me. It's not lost on me that I will be the first Green Mayor of Worcester and I think one of the things that is fantastic, and I'm looking at everyone in the room, we have depoliticised the role of mayor and we now take it in turns to allow each of the political groups to have the role of mayor. I think that it is a great way to show that we are prepared to work together and it is a sign of our maturity and willingness to do cross-party work when we need to do so. Councillor Stephen said he wanted to focus his mayoral year on creating a community that values and includes older citizens. The new mayor will be raising money for Age UK during his 12-month reign and said he would be expanding on the work the charity already does in the city.
They do some amazing work in the community and they are a trusted source of service for very many people and often a lifeline to older people who are on low incomes or who are lonely. They often reach people in the community that our normal systems don't quite reach. Councillor Stephen has been represented Batten Hall on the City Council since 2012 and led the Council's Green Group until 2022. A new train timetable will see double the amount of services in the area. A new hourly service between Worcester, Cheltenham, Gloucester and Bristol is being introduced next week by Great Western Railway. The announcement has been welcomed by the Cotswold Line Promotion Group, which has campaigned for many years for improvements to the service connecting Worcester and the west of England. The extra services offer a real boost not only for passengers from Worcester and Alf Ashchurch for Tewkesbury stations, but also open up many other new journey opportunities, said Cotswold Line Promotion Group Publicity Officer Julian Palfrey. Journeys to Bristol and the West from stations north of Worcester, such as Kidderminster and Droitwich, will also be made much easier with existing half-hourly connecting services. GWR's new summer timetable will come into effect from Monday, May the 22nd. The hourly service will replace the current two-hourly service. While the new services have been welcomed by the 1,300 members of the Cotswold Line Promotion Group, they have expressed serious concerns over the loss of services from Great Malvern to Bristol. They have also raised concerns about certain connections from the Malvern stations for Cotswold Line services to Oxford and London. GWR has been contacted for further comment about these concerns. There will be no direct trains from Worcester to London until June. We reported last month how Great Western Railway announced there will be no direct trains from Worcester to London Paddington until June, with trains only going so far as Oxford, where they will terminate. The disruption is the result of urgent repair works and a detailed safety inspection of Newnham Viaduct between Didcot Parkway and Oxford. Network Rail has confirmed a temporary structure to stabilise the bridges being installed and the line is expected to reopen by June the 10th. GWR confirmed there is a limited rail replacement bus service in place, but this is likely to be very busy and customers should expect to see significant delays to their journeys. The replacement bus services are operating between Didcot and Oxford in both directions, offering a non-stop journey between the two stations. A move to install a new 5G tower in front of a city church has led to complaints from the congregation that it will ruin services. The planning application asks for permission to build an 18-metre 5G tower in front of St Peter's Baptist Church in Worcester, but the efforts have drawn criticism from churchgoers who said the eyesore structure would spoil views of one of the estate's most architecturally significant buildings. The church also fears the new tower would provide a nuisance for services and interfere with the microphones and speakers it uses to broadcast gatherings. 
In an objection to the city councillor, Reverend Andy Browning from St Peter's Baptist Church said, We totally understand the need to provide good network coverage to the local area and ensure this is the case for years to come. We very much welcome this and it would be a significant benefit to the estate. However, we are very concerned about a number of issues that we feel make the proposed location inappropriate and also the effect the mast will have on us as an organisation. We work very hard to ensure that our building is the best it can be for all who come here. This is this includes aesthetically. Having an 18-metre mast right outside the front of the building, getting in the way of our signage directly in front of where we advertise our activities for the community to see what we're doing, makes the location seem very unreasonable. Adrian Giles of Saltwood Avenue said, The church is the most architecturally significant building on the estate and the proposed mast will obscure the front aspect and signage of the church from the road, spoiling the visual amenity of the area. Another objector, Victoria Golding, said, As a member of St Peter's Church, I believe that this mast and associated structures will have a significant impact on the appearance of the church building. We hold regular events outside near this area and we also have a Christmas tree which is sited close to this area each year. The church said the patch of land that has been proposed as a site for the new 5G tower was purposely left out of the sale by the city council in 2005 so that views were not blocked for drivers using the two nearby roundabouts in St Peter's Drive. Having invested thousands of pounds to equip the building with microphones, amplifiers and other broadcasting equipment, the church is also worried the near-identical frequencies from the 5G tower would interfere with its signals, which would be very expensive to replace to prevent any intrusions. However, highways officers at Worcestershire County Councils have raised no objection, saying visibility for drivers would not be affected by the new 5G tower. A Worcester police officer has been jailed after being found guilty of rape and sexual assaults. Michael Derbyshire, aged 57, had been charged with one count of rape and five counts of sexual assault. A jury at Worcester Crown Court found him guilty of all charges on Friday the 12th of May, following a two-week retrial. He has been sentenced to 14 years. At a previous trial in March 2021, which resulted in a hung jury, Derbyshire was accused of sexually assaulting then raping a woman he had met in White Hart Pub in Fernhill Heath. He was also accused of sexually assaulting a second woman he met on dating site Match.com. The offences, which took place between November 2018 and August 2019, were reported to police in November 2019. He was suspended from duty on December 2nd, 2019 and charged the following April. Deputy Chief Constable Alex Murray described the crimes as abhorrent. 
The victims in this case showed great bravery and courage in coming forward and supporting our investigation. They have been incredibly patient through the process and I would like to thank them for helping ensure a dangerous individual will now face the consequences of his crimes. I want the public to have confidence in our actions to proactively root out those who have no place in policing. We will continue to make sure those in our force who commit criminal offences are put before the courts and face disciplinary procedures to ensure they are banned from working in policing ever again. I would like to reassure victims of sexual offences that when they make a complaint to us, we will investigate it thoroughly and have a team of specially trained officers who will support them throughout the process. Regardless of who the perpetrator is, we will investigate without fear or favour. West Mercia Police Commissioner John Campion added, I have no doubt that today's verdict will further question the public's confidence in policing. However, I want to assure people that I, nor the force, will tolerate this kind of behaviour. An accelerated misconduct process will now take place. If you have been affected by sexual assault, support is available by phone on 0800 952 3000, via email at info at .org .uk, and through live chat on victimadviceline.org.uk. Blind are being put at risk. Blind people are being put at risk when the NHS provides them with inaccessible information about their health a charity has warned. People with sight loss have missed appointments, cancer screenings or been unable to use home test kits because of a lack of clear instructions in an accessible format according to the sight loss charity RNIB. It warned that denying people access to their information can also cause embarrassment and loss of dignity. One patient said it was easier for her to get a bank statement or gas bill in an accessible format compared with getting private information from the NHS. Linda Hansen from Bradford, who is severely sight impaired, said she needed to get her result, her daughter to read the results of a medical exam, which was sent to her in print format. Ms Hansen, 62, said, Last week I received the results of a smear test and the letter came in print format. I had to get my daughter to read it out to me, so she had to find out the result before even I could. I can get my bank statement or a gas bill in accessible formats, but yet I still receive health information that I can't read. What could be more per personal than your health status? Meanwhile, she described how the NHS had cancelled a separate appointment, but only informed her by letter. Not knowing the appointment was cancelled, she still made her way to the hospital via taxi. When Miss Hansen arrived, she was told the appointment had been cancelled and said she were, was asked, did you not see the letter? A new RNIB campaign, My Info, My Way, has been launched, calling for all blind and partially sighted people to be given accessible information. The charity said a failure to provide information in an accessible format is putting blind and partially sighted people at risk. A touching tribute has been paid to a proud councillor who died just days after he was re-elected. A single red rose was left by Labour councillors in the Guildhall in Worcester to remember colleague councillor Simon Cronin, 
who died last week aged 64 after a short illness. The flower, the symbol of the Labour Party, was placed in front of Councillor Cronin's nameplate in the council chamber ahead of Tuesday's annual council meeting. Councillor Richard Richard Udall tweeted a photo of the rose with the caption, We will remember him. The annual council meeting was also used as an opportunity by councillors to pay tribute to Councillor Cronin. Nunnery Ward colleague, Councillor Pat Agar, who had known Councillor Cronin for more than 25 years, paid an emotional tribute highlighting his love of real ale, travelling, his enduring anti-racism work, as well as a penchant for collecting, including Royal Worcester porcelain, paintings, stamps and coins, and above all else, his love for Worcester. Simon was very proud to be a councillor, she said. He was a local man through and through. The thing I always remember about Simon is his gift for friendship and his kind heart that will stay with me, and I hope it will stay with you too. Labour Group leader Lynn Denham said she had been overwhelmed by the tributes to Councillor Cronin from so many directions. He was a Worcester man who always had time to chat and share a coffee and share a story, she said. The common theme from all the contact that has come our way is that he was a kind, gentle and generous man who had a positive impact on the people around him which is a pretty good legacy. He died as he wanted, as Councillor Cronin for Nunnery Ward. Tory leader Councillor James Stanley said the council had been diminished by the loss of Councillor Cronin, and Green Councillor Neil Lawrenson said meeting the Nunnery Councillor was one of the best things that had happened to him at the City Council. He was always a friendly face, he said. He was liked and respected by councillors from all parties, council staff and many Worcester residents. Councillor Alan Amos said, I will miss him and I think everybody who knew him will miss him. He will be remembered with great fondness. Worcester has been named among one of the best places to raise a family in 2023 according to a new study. Worcester has bagged third place in a study carried out by Money Supermarket where researchers looked at 50 cities in the UK. The city was praised for its low childcare costs and a high percentage of schools rated outstanding by Ofsted. Worcester stood out for its ability to offer child-friendly restaurants and child-friendly activities. The study looked at a range of factors including housing affordability, the cost of childcare, safety, schooling and general quality of life factors such as the number of family-friendly restaurants and days out in order to find the UK's most family-friendly towns and cities. Locations were scored on their relative performance in each category and scores were totaled to create an overall family-friendly score. But sadly, it doesn't tell us what the other two cities are. <laughs> Councillor Adrian Gregson is, has done a roundup of the Mayor's Diary this last week. He starts by saying it was a busy and emotional week. 
Lord Lieutenant and I hosted a coronation big lunch in the Guildhall for a range of people nominated by their charities. It was a really good cross-section and everyone enjoyed it. Throughout my year, I have been amazed by the dedication and commitment of people working in the voluntary sector for the city. And there was quiche. The cathedral service was a rousing evensong with great music and a first-hand report from Westminster Abbey by Bishop John. I'm sure you spotted him in the front row. At the Palace Garden Party on Tuesday, it was a bit like, did I see them on telly on Saturday? All in all, the crowds bumping into several people from Worcestershire, including my Mayor's officer, Rob, on a well-deserved invitation, shame the King was resting that day. I opened another art exhibition in the Arches for Cat Standen, who, amongst other great things, has been busy painting our signposts across the city and also slightly amended the official coronation logo to stick in some black pears. Look carefully next time you see one in a shop window. Finally, on the theme, we had lunch with municipal charity and residents of Barclays, Wyatt's and Nash's almshouses. A lovely occasion, doubling up with Paul's 80th. And even this far in, I managed to get the loyal toast wrong again. My thanks go to Worcester Wanderers again for digging deep at the club dinner in an auction for signed Warriors shirts, historic items now, in aid of my charities Onside and Seven Arts. A very sad week too, as we lost Simon Cronin, a man I had known for years, well before he joined the council RIP. Finally, a word to those RGS boys and girls, down in one. Hawk used to scatter gulls. A hawk caused gulls to scatter in terror as the impressive raptor swooped down to clear the rooftops of the nesting pests. The bird of prey could be seen perching on buildings in the shambles outside Marks and Spencers in Worcester on Thursday as the screeching gulls flew about in obvious dismay. At first the gulls scattered but also tried to mob the raptor which held its ground and seemed annoyed by their attempts to attack it. A Harris hawk has been used by Worcester City Council to scare away nesting gulls recently and we have approached them for a comment and for an update on how the scheme is working. One shopper who was greeted by the spectacular sight said, I didn't mind it at all. It was a beautiful bird. It didn't kill anything. It just looked annoyed with the noise that they were making. They really didn't like it around. Maybe two or three birds of prey would have made a bigger impact as there were a few gulls that swooped towards it, but it stood its ground. We also reported last month how a bird of prey scattered seagulls when it was released in Worcester High Street. Dozens of seagulls were chased away by a hawk in Worcester in a bid to reduce the number of gulls in the city. The hawks help discourage gulls from nesting when they migrate to the UK for the spring and summer months. This has been organised by Worcester City Council for the past two years to try and keep the gull numbers down. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, The current programme of hawking is designed to encourage gulls to nest away from sensitive locations in the city, thus reducing the overnight and early morning noise and minimising aggressive behaviour by the gulls, such as food snatching. Hawking takes place three times a week, running from late February to May to cover the early part of the gull nesting season. It covers most of the city centre and other key areas, including the Tithing, Waterside, Britannia Square and an industrial site outside the city centre which is close to housing. The hawks are trained not to attack the gulls but to deter them by their mere presence. 
In the past, drones replacing birds' eggs with lifelike dummies, gull-proof bins and gull-proof waste sacks for businesses have been among the methods attempted to control the gull members. The move comes after Worcester City Council's Environmental Committee was given legal advice that a cull was not possible as some of the gulls are protected species or endangered. The programme is carried out by an experienced hawk flyer who will, when possible, deploy the hawk from accessible rooftops to establish a presence of the hawk where the gulls would usually nest. And we're going to finish off this general story section by uh, reading four sporting pieces. Uh, The first uh, is about Worcester City Football Club. Worcester City are on the verge of much-needed investment as the club try to rebuild both on and off the pitch. On Monday, it was revealed that one of the club's directors, Simon Lancaster, is wanting to make a significant investment into the football club. City are currently fan-owned as the Supporters Trust own a majority 51% of the club, but that will come to an end if Lancaster's proposal is voted through later this month by the Trust. Lancaster has the full support from the Supporters Trust as well as the City Board of Directors. I would be honoured and humbled if the Supporters Trust were to support this proposal, said Lancaster. I would like to pay tribute to Steve, good chairman, and all of my brilliant colleagues on the main board for their unwavering support and for all of their excellent work that they do for the club in often difficult circumstances. I would also like to thank the Supporters Trust. They are a group of amazing people who have saved the club from oblivion brought it home to Worcester and made it possible for the right investor to come come in. These achievements should always be celebrated as a key part in our club's history. Whatever happens, they are also crucial to the club moving forward. I would love to work with them as a partnership, the board and indeed with everyone concerned with Worcester City Football Club to rebuild a club of which our city can be proud and that our amazing fans deserve. Then we can all start enjoying it again. We all love this football club. It is time to reverse the downward spiral, vote for this proposal, and get aggressively on the front foot, driving this club forward. Main club sponsor Martin Pinches admitted that the investment is desperately required in order for the club to just fulfil their obligations to play next season, let alone anything else. He said, My understanding of the current financial situation of Worcester City Football Club is that without major changes to budgets, there will be insufficient funds for the club to fulfil its obligations during the forthcoming season. Therefore, As the long-standing main sponsor, I would urge the Supporters Club Trust members to accept this proposal as, in our opinion, it is critical to the long-term survival of Worcester City Football Club. But if this proposal gets approved, we can all look forward with positivity. On the pitch, City finished last season 17th in the Midland Football League Premier and manager Chris Corns often alluded to the fact that there was very little in terms of budget for players. The club have fallen behind other clubs in the country, with Malvern Town and Evesham playing above City 
and the likes of Pershaw Town and Worcester Raiders now at the same level. If they have ambitions to move back up the non-league ladders, investment is obviously needed in order to fund the playing squad. The date for the special meeting is on May the 24th, where a vote will be taken on Lancaster's proposal. And now an item on rugby. Worcester Warriors supporters will come together next week at Worcester Rugby Club to discuss plans to establish a supporters' trust as they bid to try and bring the men's team back to six ways. A group of supporters have already created the trust, Worcester Warrior Supporter Trust, via social media accounts, but they will present their plans to other supporters of the club at an open event at Worcester RFC on Friday at 7pm in order to formally establish their objectives. The Trust's website outlined the following aims. To strengthen the voice of the supporters in the running of the club with the primary goal of restarting a men's Worcester Warrior team which plays and trains at Six Ways Stadium. The ambition to return that team to elite level in the longer term. To work closely with the Worcester Warriors Foundation to secure its future financial health to support and form partnerships with the Worcester Warriors Women's Club and the RFU Midlands Academy, the ambition being to ensure that elite-level women's rugby remains at six ways and the restoration of academy status. To restore the damage done to the legacy of Cecil Duckworth. The meeting, which has 200 free tickets available, will include presentations, a question and answer and a public vote by show of hands on whether or not to register the Trust as a community benefit society with the Financial Conduct Authority. Supporters have been unanimous in their concern about the club's future. At the start of this month, it was confirmed that Atlas, directed by Jim O'Toole and James Sandford, had purchased the club and its assets. They confirmed their initial plan to bring local side Stourbridge to Six Ways under the Worcester Warriors name and could be there to three to four years while talk of wasps playing and training out of the stadium remains on the table. The RFU had accepted wasps' application to play in the championship from next season, but the deadline for them to confirm their team for it is said to be the end of May. Fun 